0: Sometimes issues and opinions need to be revisited in order to update a situation or challenge. On today's program, Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, does just that. Lincoln, what do we need to know?
1: Well, what you need to know is what I think our readers need to know. Yes. I've just finished the editorial, uh, signing off on the copy for our September issue. I called it originally Theoretical Freedoms. But thinking a little further, I, I call it Brittle Times. Hmm. Obviously, the meaning is liberty, religious liberty. Life as we know it has proved to be exceedingly brittle and easily damaged by uh, COVID and other stresses that are emerging simultaneously. And uh, with your permission and our... Listener's permission, I really want to read this editorial because I chose my words carefully, and I don't always do that as much, just talking (laughs) extemporaneously.
0: Okay, Uh, we're we're eager to hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah, so hopefully this will fit. I started off by saying it's become increasingly difficult to reconcile this year of COVID-19 with anything but a bad dream. As the contagion moved from Wuhan, China, to parts occidental, the lights began to go out. Even before the body count was beyond annual influenza proportions, the unwinding of civilization had begun. Now, U.S. deaths alone are well beyond 100,000 and on their way to twice that figure. That is a shocking figure, and several times beyond the annual influenza death toll, even as it remains unlikely to come anywhere close to the 675,000 U.S. deaths, from the 1918 pandemic. Back then, a third of the world's population became infected and 50 million died. It is an easy historical finding that the modern world changed irrevocably after 1918, as influenza worked in tandem with the brutality of a world war. In relatively short order, the world economy collapsed. The old order passed away, replaced by dangerous new forces and dislocations with us still. The historical parallels with the past are unnerving to those who pay attention. For me, as no doubt for many others, there remain questions about the ominous lapses and bizarre responses in the rollercoaster months of panic. Perhaps the early assurances that masks were unnecessary was a misplaced plan to keep people calm, but the continuing lack of general testing for all the population surely means that any figure other than a body count is misleading and that true contagion control is impossible. It seems that we must fend for ourselves and choose healthy behaviour. Again, to history. A little further back this time, the plague, the Black Death, which ravaged Europe between 1347 and 1351, killed up to a third of the population back then. Starvation and wars followed as economic activity almost ceased. Fields lay fallow and the social fabric unraveled. Why would we think it any different today if we shut down the world economy? Race relations in the U.S. have been a superating wound since the original sin of slavery, gnawed out in a civil war, salted, during reconstruction and legally bandaged after the civil rights era, but festering still. And only a knife would see the issues as one dimensional. COVID-19 dislocations have now guaranteed some sort of radical change, but radically different in which direction? That's the question. For a nation not so up on history beyond the Weems school, The COVID shutdown seems to have provided not only introspection, but rejection of the past. I cannot remember such a tearing down of statues in my lifetime. Only those of the Shah, shattered on Tehran streets, and Saddam toppled by ropes and tank pull into the ecstatic crowd provide reference. Yes, history is nearly always nasty, and heroes are often created by the victors. But this repudiation of history risks toppling the larger narrative, the larger illusion. I am afraid that the recasting or identifying of the complex heroes of the Republic will end up in a repudiation of the system they ceded to us, the unique set of rules and rights that are recognised in the Constitution, a Constitution aiming high enough to escape the implications of two-thirds personhood and the root insistence on property as happiness. In the confusion of COVID with its emerging social alarms we are witness to the utter destruction of the separation of powers, the once insistence on individual rights and due process, the idea of government deriving from the people and most chilling to me a diminution of true religious freedom and the substitution of what a few years ago in Italy, we called fascism, which was careful to make an alliance with the church. On the one hand, there was the strange comfort in the Trump administration's assertions of the importance of religious freedom. On the other, a bizarre claim to Roman Catholic leaders made in August that there never was in history a better friend to the church. I'm old enough to remember the fears that a President Kennedy would lay claim to that role. As it was, he reassured in a speech that he would never allow Pope or Prelate to dictate policy or compromise the separation of church and state that had long undergirded the healthy state of religious freedom in a civil government which derived from a Reformation Protestant sensibility. Nothing in the midst of COVID has startled me more than an odd scene out front of the White House played out on TV using the prop of a smallish crowd of manifestly non-violent protesters at that point. It was surreal to see the sudden use of flashbang grenades, tear gas and aggressive actions by security forces that included quite direct physical attacks even on an Australian television crew. The president, accompanied by an attorney general and a uniformed military general, then walked through the pacified area across Lafayette Square and onto St. John's Episcopal Church, where he held up a Bible for a photo op. I don't need to cite the chief executive as knowingly complicit in such a travesty of religion and state power. I can give him the best of intentions consistent with his regular statements of support for religious freedom but there is no escaping the larger dynamic that reveals how late in the day it is for liberal democracy and the values once so clearly espoused by a people and the government they empowered. From the beginning of the COVID panic it was obvious that ad hoc attempts to cope were actually revealing much about the amnesiac state of our freedom psyche. With little forethought that I can discern, authorities closed down churches as non-essential and just as unthinkingly, parishioners went home to their video games and TV religion. With morality asleep or revealed to be somnolent, it should not surprise anyone at some of the denizens of chaos then discovered on the streets. And with charity chained, it should not surprise anyone how quickly things devolved. It is not very openly shared, but there is an inevitability to continuing infection. It will take many months till the mass of the population has been exposed and either infected or proved resistant, and herd immunity kicks in. And any likely immunization, as with the flu shots, will only slow this process slightly. God bless the medical personnel coping with the crisis and the researchers and pharmaceutical companies searching for answers, let us hope that contrary to the end-time plagues described so specifically in the biblical book of Revelation, that this one leads to true introspection and prayer and the application of those higher values that were once invoked in the American experiment and still reside in the words under glass.
0: Wow. Wow lincoln steed they're reading an editorial that he has written about to appear in the magazine Lincoln, one, I can see why you're an editor and you are an excellent writer. Number two, as you were reading this, I got the idea. If you watch a football game, sometimes when things are down, the quarterback will simply throw the ball toward the end zone, hoping that somebody will catch it. It's called a Hail Mary. What's happening now, is this like a divine Hail Mary? Is God just tossing this world into shambles to see who will catch what and what will happen next?
1: Well, I don't believe that God does that per se, but yes, God's allowing that. But I think we're in a cause and effect Mm -hmm. continuum. Certain things have been set in motion, and I think we're about to reap the whirlwind, to mix a metaphor. But at the end of the editorial I invoke, what I did comment on in a previous editorial, where one of my neighbors asked, and others have commented to me, you know, is this one of the plagues of Revelation, the specific plagues? And I still don't think so because they are very specific. And what they tend to have in common is the affliction comes upon, and each affliction is described in, in graphic detail, comes upon the world, and it says, still men repented not. Yeah. I hope that this pandemic plague really creates, as I said, introspection and a, an appropriate moral-slash-religious response. The U.S., which is not a religious state, but used to be a religiously moral society, needs to really look hard at itself. It needs to recover its initial values. It needs to uh, go back to the the Christian decency that sees all men as equal. It needs to hold the government to account, not as our overlords who need to be more cognizant of our rights. The government needs to be seen for what it used to be, an extension of the people operating
0: only at their discretion. Well, as I listened to you read that, I also had a feeling that everything's going to be okay. I'm not sure why that crept up on me. We were we were talking about dire circumstances here, but I got the feeling that God can use even this for his glory if we are open to what God is telling us. Absolutely.
1: You know, I invoke uh, uh, Revelation, which I think is staring us in the face. Yes. But what I also uh, am reminded of a lot lately is Jonah and his message to Nineveh.
0: Yes, you yes,
1: know, yes. As with Revelation, death and destruction, you know, everything is coming to a horrible end, the, the collapse of this great city that the, one day the merchants will weep over. I think that's clearly an analogy to the type of thing that's established by the United States. But... The message to Nineveh was 30 days, wasn't it? And Nineveh will be destroyed. Yeah. They repented, and it was not destroyed. not destroyed. I don't think it's yet too late, at least for a generational delay to the evil day. I think good things can happen.
0: Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258, or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.